This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bumping Into. This is another Bumping Into That Sound series production. My name is Francis Populin, and this is where we talk to musicians about their career, their influences, and their equipment. On this week's episode of the show, we are talking to Abby Kay. Abby is part of the latest generation of rising female rock stars. Abby's based out of Nashville and touring and releasing tracks. And she's got a ripper of a story about her career in the music business. She's toured with the likes of Nita Strauss and continues to go from strength to strength. So we caught up with Abby for about an hour and went over some of her career highlights, how she got started. It's a, it's actually a great episode for anyone that's transitioning or starting because she's at an interesting period of her career where she's come from the ground up and still doing a lot of it herself, uh, promoting the band, booking the band, and transitioning into that next level. So it talks a lot about the challenges and the time involved you know, moving through that category and class as you move up the ranks and become bigger and bigger and have to invest more time and possibly then take the next step into, you know, hiring a manager and a booking agent and going on so forth. So it's a great podcast for anyone that's interested in the music scene and or a musician themselves. Um, she's a bass player, so we talk a lot about uh, the, the equipment that she uses and the style of sound and her influences. She's currently based out of Nashville and touring the United States. But look, it's a great episode. She's a great person to talk to. And as you will uh, see, uh, there's a lot of interesting information about her career and how it's all progressing for her. So I'm sure that people into music or musicians themselves coming through the ranks will really take a lot away from this episode. So here is the show. Abby. Hello. Hey, how you going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's go straight into, well, where, whereabouts are you located? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee right now. Right. Okay, cool. And is that where you grew up? No. So I'm actually from the Carolinas. And then as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to music city. So I moved here about a year and a half ago. Oh, right. So is that, um, as far as the music scene goes in America, that's the place to be, regardless of if it's rock or country or blues, it all happens there. Definitely. Um, it used to be anytime I say, yeah, I live in Nashville. They're like, oh, so you do country music. I'm like, no, that's kind of how it used to be. It was mainly for country music, but now it's really expanded. Um, a lot of people are moving from LA to Nashville now, musicians, companies. Um, Nashville's kind of just becoming the place to be for all kinds of genres and uh, really anyone in the entertainment industry now. So it's definitely a good place for me to be. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, let's go back before we go present. So I'm curious about... Um, the steps that led up to your point where you are now. So if we go back um, growing up, what what sort of kid were you growing up? So I, I was the weird kid my whole life, uh, which makes sense. I play rock music. It's not very typical, but yeah, I was always the weird kid. Um, I embraced it pretty well. Um, but I actually started my life as a gymnast. 
Um, I did oh. gymnastics and dance for about 12 years. That was my life. That was my biggest passion. And then, um, you know, I had a few injuries and just I was getting tired of spending 40 hours a week in the gym is a kid and so yeah. I gave that up and I was really lost because I mean that was my whole life and you know I was trying out things theater um was in a few musicals and then I found music after I went to a kiss concert and I was like okay this is gonna be the one that sticks I know it um and yeah so I mean I was I was 12 and I I asked my dad hey are you ever gonna take me to a concert and he was like <laughs> okay okay I'll, I'll do it um, and yeah, the night that I saw Kiss, I was like, I want to do this. Wow. So it was all, it was that, that got you hooked and got you in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you were 12. Okay. So how old are you now? I just turned 20. Right. Okay. Okay. So it, that's been a few years you've been honing your craft as such. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And why so you you're obviously um you're a bass guitarist i mean you define yourself as as a bassist and a vocalist and a writer but mm -hmm. instrument wise why why the bass guitar when i suppose the electric guitar seems the most popular choice right um this is actually a crazy story i love to tell this story so i started on guitar um because it's the only thing we had in the house it was the easiest to just okay i'll play guitar because it's right here yeah. um and I was completely self-taught for a few months. I was doing really well. And my dad took me to this like band leader that puts kid bands together in the area. And there was so much traffic that we ended up missing it completely. And there was another band coming in after us that needed a bassist. And so the guy was like, hey, have you ever played bass? I didn't really know what that was. I was like, no, what's a bass? And he put the bass in my hands and I, it was like an out-of-body experience. I just knew exactly what to do. I just started playing what they were playing. It was so weird. Really? But so it was just it, it was like, like inbuilt. You just picked it up yeah. and, and knew. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had been playing guitar for maybe six months, and then I had been playing bass for six minutes, and I was ten times better already. Wow. So it, was, it was like, maybe I should stick with this one. I'm a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I, I've actually wanted to quiz you on a few things bass guitar related um, when we oh. get to some of the equipment that you that you use. Um, but before we go down that road, so you you got selected to go to the to the Grammy camp. So how did that process come about? And I'm curious about what it offered after. Was was there anything that you took away that was a defining change? Definitely the friendships that I made and not just like, you know, like your middle school, high school friends that like you're still in touch with. I mean, it's now business, like professional connections. Right. Um, a lot of us have moved to Nashville because, I mean, it was all over the U.S. There were 80 teenagers that were taking music seriously. And that was like, you know, I talked about how I was the weird kid. That was the first time in my life that I was like, I kind of feel like I belong here. And like part of a team of other weird kids. Yeah, there's, there's 80 <laughs> weird kids here, yeah. um, all after the same goal. And I'm still friends with many of them today. Um, actually, tomorrow, one of my best friends from Grammy Camp, uh, she lives in Nashville, but she's going to Spain, so she's doing a send-off show. So I'm going to see her tomorrow. Um, definitely the lasting friendships and connections I got from that. Um, but the whole process was 
actually, it was so much fun. Like, just the whole leading up to it part, there were so many things that you had to do. You had to, like, write your story into, like, an essay about, you know, why you feel like you need to go to the camp, and um, you had to do, you know, your audition videos, and that was the first time that I got to go into a studio to record those videos. I think I did, I did YYZ, Rush, and Cult of Personality, um, and I ended up actually getting a full scholarship to Grammy Camp. I don't tell a lot of people that, but, um, I, yeah, the first time I went, they offered me a full scholarship. They only wow. offered a very, very limited amount of scholarships. So it was, you know, I, I didn't grow up like being the, the rich kid that kind of had it built in for them. So it was very helpful for me to be able to do that. Um, and then I actually auditioned a second year and they also gave me the 50% scholarship because you can't get the full scholarship two years in a row. Oh. But I didn't end up going because I got signed. So I stayed home and wrote and recorded music. Wow. Okay. So that that process of um, how many years ago was that that you went? Oh, that was probably four years ago. Okay. So from four years ago. So you've you've done that, and as you said, you you got signed and stayed home and and wrote songs. So mm-hmm. was that then the point at which you started to see this constant? stepping up every time was it once you got back and you were writing and you were signed that it was then okay now we're doing live gigs now we're putting out album or singles so that's when it all started to ramp up from that point forward and i think it's honestly just the the motivation of being there and seeing everyone else doing it and everyone else is working i think it just gave me the drive and the hustle to just make things happen yeah oh that's that's really interesting that's a great opportunity too i mean you know to to one you've got to have the the, i suppose the interest and then you've got to have a bit of talent but then to be given a set of tools that can take that further it's a great opportunity yep exactly and the one thing about grammy camp that i loved is you didn't go there to learn your instrument you had to already know your instrument they taught you how to make a career out of that so more of the business side so um yeah, it, it was really cool. It wasn't like teaching me how to play bass or anything bass related. It was how to make money and how to make living a, a living by playing bass. So yeah. I think that's also what definitely helped. Gives me some ideas. Okay, how can I turn this into a career? So when I got home, I really dove into that. And and to, and speaking of going turning this into a career, there's a few things I wanted to ask you about. That is. Um, there's obviously this perception um, that, you know, in America, huge population, huge opportunity. And it's, you know, Australian artists have this thing of, oh, well, you must leave to make it big and turn up. And if you make it big there, you'll make it big anywhere. And it's very easy to have a, well, not easy. It's easier to have a career, I suppose, a full-time musician career there than it is in a smaller populated country. But, you know, you're living that reality. How hard is it to find venues that you can turn up and play frequently at? I mean, is that is that still in Australia? It used to be, that was your staple. I mean, you would release an album or, or an EP every so often, but it was the touring cycle that was, you know, the bread and butter of, of your existence. Is that the yeah. case over there? And how hard is it to find those venues? Oh my gosh, it's so difficult um, because there's so many of us fighting for the same goal. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you like an example. I started 
doing this professionally about four years ago now. So um, four years ago, I would send 100 emails to venues and I would get maybe one response. Wow. And it was probably a no, yeah. to be honest. Probably a no. <laughs> yep. The others just don't answer. And now I'm at the point where if I send 100 emails, I'll probably get 10 responses. Maybe four or five are yeses, the others are noes. So um, it's it's a lot of emails. Um, I have a rule for myself that I will not send under 100 emails a day. I wow. sound like a crazy person, I know. But it's it's true because, I mean, 100 emails, that might get you one show. Well, if you're trying to, like, book a tour, that's a million and one emails yeah. to book a 10-day run. So it definitely is difficult, but the more experience that I'm getting, the numbers that are growing, um, it is becoming a little bit easier. Yeah, it's so. self, self-fueling. Once you get that momentum, it just tends to grow and it makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah. But it certainly doesn't sound like it's, uh, it's easy by any means. It's not like you can just turn up and walk into a, a bar or a pub and say, Oh, I want to play a Friday night gig for you guys. And they're like, yeah, yeah. come in. We were waiting for someone to walk in the door. <laughs> no, I mean, especially in Nashville, I love it because there's so much community here and there's so many opportunities here, but there's so many of us. And I mean, at the end of the day, there's only a certain amount of venues yeah. or companies, whatever, and everyone is fighting for the spot. So, and is it all your, is everyone want the Friday, Saturday nights? Is that the big ticket? Is there a, is there a Tuesday night crowd where you can go somewhere and see two, 300 people in a room wanting to see someone play? Honestly, yes. In Nashville, because it's very much a tourist town, right? especially on Broadway. Um, I, I play on Broadway pretty often, not to promote like my Abby K original stuff, but just for the extra cash flow. Um, and it is always busy. Wow. That, well, that's good. That's really good that that's, there's the, the foot traffic as such. Right. Yeah. I mean, people are visiting Nashville all day, every day. So, um, yeah, I mean, tonight I'm playing until three o'clock in the morning on Broadway. Like it's just, it never closes. It's just wow. always live music. And there's always enough people around at that time to come in and yes. fill a room. Yes. It's insane. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. It's I mean, really that's, crazy. that is really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, so you've, you've made a, it, you're a full-time musician. It's, it's a career for you. If you had to say the top two, three hardest things, is it booking the venues? Is it getting the recording? Is it is it funding the recording contract? Is it what do you think those hardest things are? Well, funding is definitely always an issue because I mean, I just turned twenty. My guitarist is twenty one. We actually live together in this band house and tour together. So I mean, we're at the end of the day just two kids trying to make it. Yeah. Um, but definitely booking is hard, um, and you know you could. I I could easily get help. I could sign with a booking agent. I could sign with a label or a manager, but then you have to give away a piece of your career or a piece of your music. And I just, I don't know that we're ready to do that yet. Um, Because right now, yeah, it's a lot of work. Diego and I work all night. We we work best like while everyone else is sleeping. So, I mean, we work 12 hours from midnight till noon. um, And it's just the two of us hustling, but 
I think it's worth it for now that it's all in our hands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you recently did, uh, I'm guessing you were the support act for, for Nita Strauss. Is that right? Yes. So that's a pretty big gig. That's a pretty big, um, pretty big uh, stripe to wear on the shirt there. So how did that come about? So I opened for Nita for the first time when I was 15 and that was just like some Facebook ad. What band wants to open for Nita Strauss? I was 15. So I emailed, I was like, yeah, there's no way in heck this is going to happen. <laughs> and then it freaking did. Um, and that was still to this day, that was the best night of my life. Um, she actually came up on stage, played the trooper with us. Um, we talked after it was, that was probably the night that changed it all for me. Um, and so flash forward a, a couple more years, um, Nita announces that she's going on a solo tour. And I was like, you know what? We've been in contact a little bit. Let me just mention it. Not expecting her to say, yeah, let's make it happen. And that's exactly what she did. Um, she said, hold that thought. Let me get you the email. We'll get this all set up. I was like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. So we ended up opening for her on her Winter Wasteland tour uh, last November and last January. And it was freaking phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, a little bit of um, kindness or opportunity from someone in that um, space can, like you said, it can be life-changing. It can be a defining moment. And it's, it's often not, you're not asking for money. You're just asking for a bit of time and an opportunity. And it's, it's, right. you know, nicer people still do, yeah, I think it's important, uh, and I don't know, but if you you can't get caught up, um, you have to constantly look behind you because those are the people that are coming forward, and if we don't keep doing that, it's going to run dry. You need to be you right. need to be fertilizing the grounds that you're walking past because otherwise there will be a point in time where there'll be nothing growing up from them. Right. I mean, a good example is like, yeah, we try to get in with Nita Strauss. We tried to like all these bands we look up to, you know, we're we're the younger bands. But yeah. something that we also like to do is we like to look at bands three years behind us and kind of be like mentors to them. So there's yeah. this band in Virginia called Accident. They've opened for us a few times and any chance that we can help them out, we do, um, especially Diego. He's really, really good friends with them. Um, and just like, you know, we were there three years ago. And so we kind of know how frustrating it can be. Yeah. And if we can help them out, just like Nita helped us out, it's kind of just returning the favor, uh, or like passing it along, you know? So yeah, I think absolutely. And an interesting question, and I've asked this to other musicians and bands and, and obviously this will change as your career and life progresses, but at this point in time, what defines success to you? If if there was a magic wand and I said, here, this, you tell me what it is and I'll give it to you. What would that be? I have the perfect answer. I've been waiting my whole life to be asked this. <laughs> okay. So for me, it's a scenario. I want to be playing on an international stage okay. to a sold out crowd. I want to be singing my original song and hear everyone in the audience singing it back to me. That is the moment that I will say I've made it. And that that's, that's a beautiful answer because it's not about um, 
it's not purely about the money or the fame. It's about the experience and what that would mean to people in the audience and reflecting back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's well, a great answer. I, that, I just like, I get chills and I'm like, oh my gosh, go send emails, work hard, do it. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's great that that's obviously part of the drive and, and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully that, uh, that, that comes. I mean, if you keep, keep at it long enough, and especially yeah. if you keep getting those opportunities like you've been getting and it's just this, you know, it becomes a steamroller of momentum. Right. On that as well, you're quite lucky that at this point in time, there's a lot of really good female artists. Um, you know, yes. you've obviously got, you've got Nita Strauss in America and you've got Sophie Lloyd in the UK and then there's Laura Cox in Europe and these yeah. are all extremely talented um, females. I mean, I don't think that makes a difference, male or female. To me, it's if the artist is talented, they equally deserve recognition. But obviously, that in, in terms of being, you know, you're outnumbered with a more male-dominated sport, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. But having those sort of people around and seeing what they can achieve, that too must make it feel like, okay, well, we're all in this and we can build this together. Right. Um yeah, that's some, I am super passionate about that. Um, I think a while ago, it was probably 10 times more difficult for a woman to break into the music industry than it is now because, you know, Joan Jett and Lita Ford, they kind of went through the hard part for us. So now it's more acceptable for women to be in music. And I will say, I used to be really afraid that like, since there's so few of us that it would be you know, competition, every man for himself, kind of mean girls, but every woman in the music industry that I've met has been so insanely, like, loving and supportive. Like, it's just, it's been really, really awesome to see, like, girls supporting girls. And that's interesting because, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I have no experience in this at all, (laughs) but the dance, so you, you come from a, you say, dancing or gymnastics background, is that the opposite? Is that the fighting and the fury and the clawing yes. for space? <laughs> yes. And I think it, it's really interesting because that dance is mainly females. Gymnastics yeah. is mainly females. So, I mean, there's lots of room for everyone. But that was very, especially dance, kind of like, you know, just mean girls. Yeah, um, I could picture that. Yeah. Yeah. Ev- like everyone's fighting for like the top spot when like, there's room for everyone. You're in a female dominated yeah. industry. Um, but no, with music, I mean, there's really not as much room for females, unfortunately. And so you would think that everyone would be like, you know, fighting for that top spot, but everyone's been so welcoming, like everyone. Wow. That's, that's unreal. That's really good. Have you ever considered going outside America? Is there anything that, that you've researched and there's another country or another place. I mean, I, at the moment, you know, rock is big in Europe. It's also big in some of the South American um, spots as well. But, you know, particularly Sweden has a massive rock scene at the moment, or they have had for a while with a lot of really, really good bands. Like a, unless you're into it, there is some, what well, you could say under the radar, great Swedish rock bands that would just blow you away. And um, yeah. is that is that on the radar for you? Definitely. Um, we would love to go international. So we have to think smart about it because it really is just us. We don't have, 
you know, a team or anything. So I am not only our booking agent, but also our tour manager. Yeah, and that's a lot of effort. It's, it's a lot on my plate. Um, so we're actually, we're thinking about starting with Canada because we can take our own van. We don't have to fly our equipment. It's driving and not flying. So we're going to start with that, see how that goes, kind of test the water. And then eventually we would love to get to Europe. Um, we do have a pretty decent following over there, especially in Germany and Spain. So, I mean, if we could get over there. It's just, you know, you got to fly and then you got to rent a new van and you got to yeah. rent your equipment or get your equipment over there and the language barrier. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Out, um, especially just being the small band DIY band that we are. So we're going to we're going to test the water with Canada first and yeah. um, just try to get some international experience, um, not only as a band, but for me as a tour manager. So. I can eventually work my way up to being able to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to go to Europe. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would think that it probably would be great if you could get on the tail end of, of one of the, you know, the, the tours, because there's a lot of those small, right. you know, 10, well, when I say small, they're, they're not like three day festivals. They might be a day long festival as such, but if you can get in on one of those where, you know, it's a traveling show and you're the first or second act, at least that provides right. a bit of structure and a bit of direction. You're not just turning up and going, where do we go now? Yeah, no, that would be, that would be really great. Um, especially, I mean, if we could just do like a one-off festival, I mean, that gets us in front of a lot of people yeah. and we don't have to figure out, okay, how do we rent a van to tour all across yeah. the country? Um, so yeah. Oh, well, hopefully that comes through. Yeah. Like the transportation part of it. Well, and, and, and look, you probably know more than about this than I do, but apparently there's a massive rock scene in, in Brazil and Argentina. Apparently they, they pull massive crowds and, and there yeah. it's a lot of opportunity there for, for rock artists as well. Yeah, that's definitely, um, you know, my definition of success we talked about, I don't really have like a exact location I want that. But if you ask my guitarist, Diego, he's like, we need to go to Brazil because yeah. they're, they're insane there. Yeah. So. Well, it's all possibilities. It's all waiting in the, in the future. There's, a, um, there was a band in Australia. It was a 1970s band, very, very defining band. They sort of changed the, the, the scene when they came on. And, um, there was an interview with one of the guitarists in that band just recently. So we're talking, you know, 40 years ago when they were at their peak. Um, and he said, it, it was an interesting comment that stuck with me. And he said, um, that you look back at the struggles and the hardest times as being the most creative and the best, because mm-hmm. what can happen is you end up feeling like you're a covers band. If you get too successful, you're just playing your own stuff over and over. And he said, it's actually that struggle that is the best time to be doing it. And mm-hmm. obviously it's hard when you're in it, but if you can appreciate it, you can make the most of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely something that we're like, we, we like to look back on it right now. Like we're just, we're roughing it. We're paying our dues, but like, we're having so much fun doing it. Yeah. And yeah, it would be nice if we're in a big fancy bus or if we're making millions, but we're not, we're barely making our rent. Um, we're barely covering expenses, but we're having so much fun doing it. And so yeah. we don't, we don't regret our decision to do this at all. But I mean, sometimes it's a little rough. Um, we get on each other's nerves, but at the end of the day, it's just so much fun. And do you think, um, obviously in today's age and, and all young bands, social media is a, is a massive 
tool, but the racket, the noise, you know, there's so much on there. And if, uh, if they awarded um, first prize for talent, it'd be very different. So how hard is it to, um, to push through in that space? I mean, you know, people can make a career from it, but Right. Yeah, I mean, it must be extremely hard to to find what can organically attract that audience to bring your attention. Right. So, I mean, I think social media is the best thing that's happened to musicians and also the worst thing that's happened to musicians. Yeah. Um, because it gives us an opportunity to organically grow our career and reach anyone in the world, which yeah. has never been a thing before. So, I mean, it's really really awesome for us to be able to do that now but you know there's people that hack the system and figure out what people want and then you know it doesn't really matter what happens off the screen or behind the guitar or on stage as long as they can like you know hack the system and figure out what the algorithm wants i mean yeah number one they're they're the top everyone follows that person regardless of what they look like on stage or what we look like on stage or sound like. Yeah. Um, or sheer talent. <laughs> sheer talent right. takes a back seat. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, and it's easy to get caught up in that, like, you know, comparing yourself to why does this person have a million followers when I can play that faster than she can? Yeah. Or why does this person only have a thousand followers when this is one of the best guitarists that I know? Um, so it's definitely easy to get caught up in that and it can it can be like really hard on like your mental health and stuff yeah. especially on the road when like i mean you're you're doing this you're playing these shows and you're posting on social media and you get nothing from it but then you play a show and you have all these people show up for you yeah so it's it's a weird thing i think we're still all learning yeah it, it and and look my experience is some of the most talented people i've spoken to have the lowest followings it's it, right. it's not it's not like by definition if you're you know ultra talented you will ha- achieve a high following rate so i you know it's probably something to keep in the back of your mind you can't be obsessed with likes and followers right. um mm-hmm. you've just got to make sure that what you're making is for who you want it to be and that they're loving it and just right. leave it at that otherwise it'll drive you crazy mm-hmm. and that's another thing we like to focus on this person might have a million followers, but how many of those million are going to buy concert tickets for that person? Yeah. And we have, I mean, we have like 5,400 Instagram followers and we have a really supportive, um, like following, like we consider people friends now. Like if we talk about this all the time about how supportive people are of us, we have some really good people that have come into our lives just because of this. So. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's worth it to maybe have the smaller number, but have the higher quality of people. Oh, definitely. I mean, and that's that's true in real life friendships as well. Um, right. Volume is not king. So yeah, yeah. Because as soon as things go bad, the volume disappears. Right. So yeah. Um, so let's go into the equipment that you use. I'm I'm curious because um, the my my only experience is with with guitar, and it's very limited. Um, so. Uh, what one thing I've always wondered is I know you've got a few product partnerships, um, which we can talk about, but asking from an amateur guitarist to a professional musician, especially a bass guitarist, what can you do as a bass guitarist that can define your sound? Now, as an electric guitarist, the world is open. You've got, you know, mm-hmm. 
Les Paul sound versus Stratocaster sound. You've got foot pedals, you've got Marshall versus Orange. You've got so many aspects mm-hmm. that you can change that that person can be associated with. As a bass guitarist, does that exist? Yes. A lot of people would say, yeah, it comes from like this gear and this gear and this gear. I completely disagree. I think it comes from the fingers on your right hand. I mean, you think about Steve Harris, how he has that gallop with his three fingers. That doesn't come from a specific sound. That literally comes from him. I think it's all in your technique. Um, Now, a lot of people would disagree with me and say, no, you need to get this amp or this guitar. And maybe that's true. Um, But I like to, I mean, I, I can just change the way that I'm playing and change the sound drastically, just like that. So that's why I think it comes a lot from technique. Um, of course I'm a little biased because I, I do work with Laney, but I absolutely love my Laney. I think it works for literally everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it really comes from technique a lot and people kind of overlook that. Right. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, um, I mean, obviously from someone learning guitar, uh, the, especially at the beginning, the least amount of emphasis is on the talent. Everyone's looking for the, for the pedals and for the set, you know, right. to do the hard work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also, um, you know, even if you changing, if you drop the mids or add the mids, you can go from a more rock sound to a metal sound and then clean it up a bit to a country sound. And um, so that's interesting that you're placing the emphasis more on the human and the, and the ability yeah. of the human. Yeah. You have a lot of, a lot of ability to, kind of change the sound just on like changing a small thing of how we're doing it you know you have you have your three finger gallop you have just regular finger style you can also play with the pick and that changes the sound drastically wow okay that's really interesting and then i'm guessing too that you would have to rely quite heavily on having a good sound guy at the the gig because that in a lot of cases i mean especially a lot of bands i've seen um that can make and break you can you know you can end up with you know, being too thin and too loud as opposed to the band that comes on that has all the deep bottom end grunt doesn't need that volume, but there's the warmth and the thump and the punch, which can make it far more pleasurable experience. Yeah, definitely having a good sound engineer. Um, it's important not only to have you sounding good in your monitors, because if you don't sound right, you change the way that you're playing and singing, but for yeah. everyone else to perceive you the way that you want them to. And your product partnerships, how did they, well, how long ago did they come about? Is that a new addition or have you had those for a while? It's it's a pretty new thing. Um, I went to NAMM last year in, a, in Los Angeles, which is like a big music convention for professional musicians, anyone in the music industry. So I went to NAMM and I talked to my friend Jason at Laney at their booth. And I was like, hey, I've been kind of like switching back and forth. I haven't really found something I love. Could I just try this out real quick? And I I tried my Laney Digbeth, which is now what I use and what I am, I guess, enforced with. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best amp I've ever used. Take my money. I want this right now. And he was like, Let, let's talk about this. And so um, we ended up working on a deal. And yeah, I mean, it, it really just all happened that day at NAMM. I went over and just looking for a new amp and we started working together that same day. So it it was pretty awesome. And another question I've got for you that's uh, 
off off equipment, but still in, in the same industry is, and I'm guessing I know the answer to this, um, the battle to get radio play as a young musician. I, I know here in Australia, it's, you know, it can be one of the hardest things to do. And I'm baffled at why radio has this arrogance as to, I just don't get it. If you're a foodie, you're looking for new flavors and food. If you're an artist, you're going to galleries to see things you haven't seen before. But yet radio has this, no, we're going to hold on to this hundred old songs and we're going to cherry pick a few new ones that are going to only be played in age bracket 16 to 21. And then everyone that's over 21 misses out on anything new. And it just baffles me as to why it works that way and still works that way. I get it back in the eighties and the nineties when maybe that classic rock, you had the seventies stuff becoming old and it could, could filter in, but that was 30 years ago. And Mm -hmm. is that the same battle that you have over there? Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Radio play. uh, It's so difficult. Um, We've been able to get on a lot of internet radio stations, which is, good to a certain point i mean it it helps us get any like any listeners that are already listening to that radio station but it's not like a typical in the car turn on the radio kind of yeah thing. yeah um, and a lot of those i've learned you actually have to pay to get your songs on and oh. so i mean if you're not like bringing in a lot of money have all the money in the world to spend you're not getting radio play um, I think there's very few cases that it naturally happens that, hey, can you play our song? Sure. Um, a yeah, lot of people, it's... they want Look, money or something in return. I, I just, I yeah, I mean, I'm not in it, so I, I don't understand all the little intricate details, but it baffles me because it's, even in its own form, it's struggling. It, it's got to compete with Spotify. It's got to compete with podcasts. It's got to compete with the person only listening to their own playlists. Um, right. And to me, I you know, I want to be exposed to something that I haven't heard or seen, and that opportunity stands with with radio. But they're not jumping on that. No one's effectively doing it. So I'm surprised that even over there, it's the same battles. And is there you go to um, look? Do you have a national? broadcaster as such so in australia we've got a couple that are in every city around the country um that they obviously have specific deep you know, uh, hosts to those cities but they're collectively the same format is that do you have something like that over there where if you did make it on x station that you are going to get that national spread um i'm not sure about national i do know that like there's Oh, I don't know how to explain this. Like, you know, certain people are like companies that like they deal with like six or seven uh, radio stations like around the U.S. Right. Um, I don't know that there's anything that like goes Covers like, everywhere. To, goes everywhere, but I do know that like I I guess like hubs that if you go to this person, they can get your music played on wherever in in the u.s okay Um, but again a lot of that is pay to play so yeah and if we if we talk about what's next so what's in the pipeline for you have you got another a single or an ep or are you working on the next um you know tour what's what's the next thing that people if if they're wanting to get more of you can hang out for So we're going to do a little bit of everything. Um, We are working on our debut album and 
you know, this has been a really good interview. So I'm going to tell you because I like you. Um, <laughs> for, the, for the first time, I've never told anyone, but February 24th, the first single from the album comes out. It's called oh, Better wow. Off. That is the absolute first time that I have said anything. I don't know that my band members even know that. Um, <laughs> but February 24th, the first single of the album comes out. Um, really excited about that. We'll start promoting it in the next few weeks. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to keep doing some tours. Uh, we have we have a couple shows booked um, this year out in L.A., down in Florida. Um, hopefully we'll get to Canada. And we're just going to keep working and kind of see what happens. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks for the for the uh, for the info on the pending release. So hopefully yeah. that spreads <laughs> like wildfire for you. <laughs> yeah. If there's ever anything I can do for you um, in Australia, just reach out and let me know. I'm more than happy to always support young artists in any way that I can. Well, thank you. Hopefully we can get there soon. I've always said, like, where where do you want to go? Like, not even just to tour, just to go. I want to go to Australia. Like, I just, oh, I love it. Well, thank you, Abby. Is there anything else you wanted to add or say? I'll say that you can follow me on all social media at Abby K Rocks. My website's abbykrocks.com. And I appreciate you and everything you're doing for young artists. All right. All right. Thank okay. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to find out more about Abby K, I will post some links on our site. If you want to find out more about this episode, about anything else, all of the other episodes, it's all going to be available on bumpingintocomau Don't forget the .au. Uh, I know this goes to a lot of other countries other than Australia, but it you will need the .au on the end to find the proper website. Once again, thank you very much for listening. And I'm going to do my best to get another couple of episodes out, hopefully more frequently than the one a month we've been doing. But we'll see how we go and I'll catch up with you on the next one.